You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. All right, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been in 1 Corinthians a lot throughout this series. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll read verses 11 through verse 13, only two weeks till Christmas. It is right around the corner. This isn't much of a Christmas message or a lesson, but it is the one the Lord has for us. Titus asked me yesterday, because you know we're always talking about Christmas and birth, or birthday presents, Christmas presents, and he asked me yesterday, how long until Christmas? And I said, oh, about two weeks, almost two weeks away. And he's just like, is that a long time? I was like, well, yeah, for you, yes, it is a long time. And then we were talking about it today, and he's like, how much longer till Christmas? And I was like, two weeks. He's like, it was two weeks yesterday. <laughs> he's like, how much? He's like, is that still a long time? I was like, yeah, it's a little bit more. Man, when you're a kid, two weeks, man, that's like two months waiting for that to come and and then when you're an adult, you turn around two weeks, goes just like that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we will read verses 11 through verse 13. The Bible says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother and be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them that also, uh, them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among you yourselves that wicked person. Tonight is going to be part two of church membership. Is it biblical? And I uh, actually really enjoy, I mean, it's, I, for me, it's kind of cool because there's things that I kind of want to know biblically and want to study out, but, you know, when do you just sit down and, and spend a, a week studying <laughs> is church membership biblical? But by the nature of what I get to do, uh, it is a blessing to be able to do that and then to have a reason to be able to spend all that time studying and then to present it to you guys. But let me ask you this. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you have ever been a teacher? Actually, raise your hand. How many of you have ever been a teacher? Besides your own kids, have taught somebody something or have taught specifically children. Lots of us in here have taught children in our lifetime. And children are a wonderful thing. And it is a blessing to be able to teach children. And it is a great privilege that we have here at Fellowship Baptist Church to be able to teach the children in our children's ministry. But how many of you have ever had a child say, as you're trying to teach them, and you're trying to bring them along, and they're not your child, and you're trying to get them to do something, and they don't want to do it, and they say, you're not my boss. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there's just something about a five or six-year-old that looks at you and is like, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my boss. And you're like, oh, mm, whew, I'll, I'll tell you something. There's, I'm about to do something if you don't. In the olden days, they actually, even in schools, would they would spank them back in that day. Obviously, uh, that's not what we do today. And whether for better or for worse, those days are past. Um, and we're not going to get into a debate on whether we should or should not do that. I think 
there are strong feelings on both sides in the public place, have other people spank our kids. But you've got to say one thing in that time. They taught kids authority structure back in the day when they used to spank kids. And I'm not talking about parents spanking their kids. I'm talking about everybody spanking kids. Uh, They definitely taught a definitive authority structure. And that structure was there is a boss in this room and it is not you. Right? That, That is what was taught to those children at that time. A clear definitive structure of authority. And when it comes to authority... You know, in this day and age, it seems like authority is constantly being um, minimized. Authority is constantly being attacked, undermined. Um, you see it all the time. Um, you know, just the, 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 the attitude against police officers in this day and age. Didn't used to be that way. Uh, p- police officers were highly respected years ago. And then now, just with the culture, is just... You know, police officers and and listen, even our president, right? Even what with President Obama, as much as we disagreed with him, you still respect the office of the president, right? As much as you disagree with with whoever's doing what, you still respect the fact that they hold a certain office. And with 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 Trump, it honestly seems like there is just such the just no respect for, for the presidency. And many people don't even call him President Trump. They call him Mr. Trump. Um, pastors, the, the uh, teachers, just the tearing down of authority within our, our culture seems to be something that, that is happening quite often. Fathers, right? The, the authority of fathers being, the, the authority of parents being tore down. And listen, whenever... One of us, we contribute to the tearing down of authority structures, which just comes down to criticizing publicly or, you know, in front of your family, authority structures. Uh, That's a tearing down of what the the structures God has designed. And, And, you know, when you do that, don't be surprised when people don't respect your authority, when you're constantly tearing down other people's authority. Um, But uh, uh, we all have rebellion in our hearts, Right. We just, we're, we all have a rebellious nature. None of us like to get underneath authority. None of us enjoy getting underneath somebody's authority. But God has very clear authority structures when it comes to life. Uh, when it comes to society, God has ordained authority structures that he has put into place and that play a role in our lives as we continue on. So, thinking about that and uh, thinking about authority and authority structures that we have in our life, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. And, and actually, the authority structures and stuff actually came from a question I got last week after the service, which caused me to do a little bit of research and look into it. But thinking about that, let's talk about church membership tonight. All right, I'm just going to briefly run over what we talked about last week. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. Um, but last week we talked about church membership, and the question is, is church membership biblical? Does the Bible talk about church membership? Is it something that we just do? Do we do it because it's a biblical thing? Well, that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. So let's first, very quickly, address some of the issues when it comes to church membership. All right? It's just fair to do, is to address some of the 
problems and concerns people have with church membership. And the number one concern with church membership that people have that, that is constantly brought up, which is a, a valid point, is that church membership is not explicitly commanded in the scriptures. Now, if the Bible doesn't explicitly command something, I thoroughly believe it, de it deserves fair uh, biblical criticism and be able to look at it critically. Does the Bible say? Now, I don't believe, and I don't feel as Christians we should believe, that when the Bible says very explicitly to do something, we line up with Scripture, right? Um, we don't have to debate whether children should honor their parents. The Bible says children for children to honor their parents. We don't have to really debate about it and be like, I'm not really sure. No, the Bible says it. Um, you know, and the Bible says not to do things, okay? We shouldn't murder because the Bible says don't murder. So, whoa, is that me? We're good? All right. Okay, we should, there, there are just things we don't do, right? We don't steal, we don't lie, we don't do certain things because the Bible says not to do it. So we don't have to debate those. But the Bible doesn't explicitly say join a church in membership so it deserves, um, all right, guys, what's going on here? Is that me? That's just going to be super distracting. All right, yeah, there's a short in this. I'm just going to take this off, guys. You know, those things happen in every single church, so <laughs> no matter how big it is. I was watching a service, Independent Baptist Church. They run about 1,700, and they were having the exact same problems. And the pastor from the stage is just like, guys, you got to get this taken care of because I'm starting to get upset. So I was like, yes, we all struggle with it, even someone with a huge budget. All right, so some people talk about, I guess I'll just try to stay behind the the stage. Some people talk about uh, membership is not explicitly commanded in the Bible. Yes, deserves fair criticism. I am in full support of that. Um, the, but although there are not things in the scripture that are explicitly, you can turn the monitors down a little bit. I think they're, they're a little loud. Um, even though there are things in the scriptures that are not explicitly said, do this or don't do this, we can understand from passages that this concept and this principle is definitely applied. All right. So that's one of the biggest reasons people have against it which I understand that's a legitimate reason. All right, um, some people just don't like the idea of church membership and it goes back to some of the bad experiences that they've had in churches, right? There's been some bad experiences. Um, there's been a lot of scandals within the church and we recognize that. Um, it's, it's a shame and it's sad and, and it's not the majority, but people, the press does get a hold of these stories and, and a lot of times it's prominent people that it happens to and and you know they're just disillusioned with the idea um, maybe some people had bad examples of leaders or, or maybe some people and I will say it like me like I said when we started we just don't like putting ourselves underneath authority all right it's just it's just the way it is and uh, you know maybe that's a reason we don't want to join the church and membership all right what church membership is not church membership is not a thing that you sign up to get perks all right, like, uh, 
like uh, Sam's Club or Costco, okay? You don't sign up for what you get out of church membership. That's not the way it is designed. That is the way we think of membership in this day and age, not the way God designed it, okay? What is church membership? Church membership is more of a covenant. It's more of like a marriage covenant. You don't come into a marriage for what you're gonna get out of it. Some people do, and they are sorely disappointed to realize that a marriage is not about what you get out of it. That's not how you have a happy marriage. A happy marriage is when both parties see what they can contribute and give to the marriage, not about what they can get out of it. So that is what church membership is more like. Like, what can I give? What can I contribute to this relationship, right? Going back to the study of the body of Christ. Each member is meant to function in a certain way. Question, can somebody be a Christian and not attend, even attend a local church? Yes, somebody can be a Christian and not even go to church. There's nothing about going to church that um, saves somebody, and there's nothing about not going to church that damns them to hell, okay? Nothing biblical about that. However, many, many commands that God gives us as far as the missions and goals and purposes of Christians cannot be fulfilled outside of a local church. So they definitely are not fulfilling what God has called them to do as a Christian, but you can still be a Christian and, and not go to church. Uh, you do not choose a church like you choose a restaurant, all right? Because of what they have to offer. You don't go to a church like a buffet. Okay, what's this church got that, that's gonna be good for me? Um, granted, that is the way most people probably look for churches about. They, they go to the church and see what does this church have to offer me, okay? I understand that is the way most people uh, do it. That is not the way that, that we should look for a church, though. That is not a biblical way to look for a church. You, we should always seek to join a church to see what we can contribute to that work and what that church is involved in. All right, um, you don't have to turn here. I'm just going to cover the passage last week that we talked about in Hebrews chapter 13. And this was the first passage that we talked about where we can extrapolate the principles of church membership from. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So in this passage, the writer is talking specifically about obeying church leaders. And the latter part, we see that verse in the beginning of the chapter, in verse 7, he talks about the type of leaders that they are to submit to. It says, remember them which rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Clearly, that is the pastor. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So you read the passage in context. It's very clear that God, or God the writer of Hebrews, is talking to this church about submitting to the leadership of the pastor. This is very clear. The pastor is the one, the, the elder, the, the bishop, um, is the one that speaks the word of God. That is the communicator of God's word. All right, he then goes on to give a list of the things that a pastor is responsible for before God. The pa God calls a leader to watch over the souls of his people. Uh, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. The job of a pastor is to watch over your soul. Watch over your spiritual health. God calls a leader. Uh, God, next, we see that God called leaders to know that they are accountable to, to God himself. He says, Pastors, you are accountable to me. I am the one you're accountable to, which is super scary when I think about it because 
when you do hear about church scandals, specifically for those that would be in the, the pastor positions, man, that is scary, right? I mean, the Bible says you're, account- I mean, we're all accountable to God, but I mean, this is an extra level of accountability and to, wow, I do not want to, oh, do not want to see how God has to deal with that. But that's a, that's a scary place to be in for anybody that's in an area of spiritual leadership to know that God holds them personally accountable for the actions that they take in leading their people. But he says, they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. So the leader has to give an account. And then it says that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable for you. Don't grieve your your spiritual leader. Don't grieve your pastor. Don't do that. May he lead you with joy and and just uh, before God. So here we see the illustration of the responsibility of a church member to to their pastor and then the responsibility of a pastor to the church member. It's really cool. It's a, such a great passage because you get both sides of the coin, you know, it's double-edged sword here. Members, respect and obey your pastor. Pastor, you watch for the souls of your members and you're given account for that. And, and like I said, I, I, I feel like it's just fair to say it. You don't follow somebody that's living in sin, right? A, a spiritual leader that's living in blatant sin. Um, that's just, I have seen, there, there are, you know, don't, just don't ever fall underneath that. You know, if a, leaders are meant to be held accountable by the people, okay? And um, so that is the, the accountability the spiritual leader has to his flock is that they hold him accountable, right? And pastor would fully agree with that. That's, the people hold me accountable. He's, he's, he's said it before. They're the ones that, that hold me accountable and then ultimately to God. So, the idea of this passage is follow and obey your pastor. That's the gist of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Here's the big question that we get when it comes to church membership from this pastor. Who is, first off, who are church members supposed to honor, respect, and and to submit to? Who does a church member do? Or or who does a, a Christian do that to? Well, we would say the church member follows and submits to their pastor, right? A church member. Not everybody that visits here do we believe biblically is required to submit to pastor, right? I, somebody, you invite somebody from the community and they come in and, and they, they sit underneath the preaching. They, biblically, they're not required to submit to pastor's leadership. They're just visiting and, and coming. Um, so the question, who does a Christian submit to? The next question would be, who does a pastor give account for? That, for me, I feel like that's even the more significant question because does a pastor give account for every single person that walks through the door? Every single person that hears him preach online or, or, or all of that? I would say obviously not. Or does a pastor give an account for all Christians in the whole world? I would hope not. It's like, I don't know what everybody's doing. He, a pastor gives an account for those Christians that are that and that gathered together body that are underneath his care and we signify that with church membership right to 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 to, to kind of identify who pastor is accountable for is who is the member of the church pastor then recognizes i am now accountable before god for that person all right uh pretty obvious there all right Here's some questions that were asked me that I thought were really good questions. Uh, Last week after the service, 
Um, Mrs. Hitt actually asked them to me and I didn't have an answer. I kind of threw it off the top of my head and I told her I'm throwing this off the top of my head without time to study and think about it or talk to pastor. So I made sure to, to run this by him, this question first. And, but this was the question, what authority does a pastor hold over his members? I thought that was a great question. What authority? Because it says to submit to the authority of the pastor. So let me ask you this. Does that mean a pastor tells you like what time you should go to bed? Right? Uh, does a pastor have the authority to tell you like the type of diet you should eat and uh, where you should buy your clothes and, and uh, what type of clothes you should wear? And like, where does a pastor's authority like go to? Like, how, how does that all work? And so I was, so I, I gave her an answer really quick. I was like, I didn't have time. Let me, let me, let me pray about this and study this out this week. And I was able to ask my dad. And so he answered the way I thought he would and gave me some good directions to study this out. But there are four ordained levels of leadership and authority in society. Okay? God specifically laid out in the scriptures has ordained four different levels of authority. And I wouldn't even say that one of them is more significant than the other. They're just different. Okay? So the first level of authority, or I guess we could call it sphere of authority, the first sphere of authority would be the family, okay? The family structure, there is a structure of authority within a family. Biblically, it is the husband, it is then the wife, and then the children, okay? That is the structure of authority within a family, okay? A pastor does not overstep his bounds into a family's authority. Does that make sense? The father is the one who, who makes those decisions, all right? Um, Pastor's been doing a huge series on the family, and if you look at a lot of his teaching on the family, it's been about structure. How is a family supposed to be structured? How, is, how does that authority structure work? Um, so God entrusts a husband with the leadership of the family unit, okay? It's very clear throughout scriptures, the father is the head of the home. Um, a wife is to submit to the leadership of her husband and come alongside him as a helpmate. A husband is to love and cherish his wife. It's really a teamship, but biblically, the husband does have the headship of the home. Uh, parents are then responsible for teaching and training their children, and children are then responsible for honoring and obeying their parents. Obviously, we're not going to <laughs> unpack all of that. Pastor's been doing it for about a year, all right? So... First, we see we have the sphere of family. Second, we see we have this, a sphere of authority, which would be the government. All right? We have government authority. Government authority is blessed and approved by God. Okay? God has a blessing and an approval, and he has ordained government authority. All right? In the scriptures, we are instructed to respect and obey the government authority. And, and, and the ordinance, to, and we're there to live honorably within our communities. Um, our leaders, our government leaders, are required to punish those that do evil, to protect us, and to honor those that do good. Okay, so that's the responsibility of our government leaders. Obviously, um, and, and, and listen, government leaders aren't to overstep the bounds of a family. Do they try to do that? Yes, and that's one of the things that, so, so a lot of times when, we, when you hear that there are debates and arguments about this is what's happening is that one set of authority is trying to move the bar 
where God hasn't moved it. And that's really when, you know, you get reaction. It's like, you can't tell us how to raise our kids. And we'd all agree with that, right? God's given that to the parents. That's your authority is how to raise your children. And, you, and, and then you're held responsible for, that, for God, right? You are. So that's a lot of the fight. A lot of the fight comes when the government tries to overstep its bounds into the, into the church, right? There are things that the government doesn't have the right to tell the church what to do because um, it, it, it's, it's just, it's not proper. It's not right, okay? So you have the government authority, uh, sphere of authority. Next, you have business, all right? There is a sphere of business um, authority that we have in our lives. That would be employers and then employees, okay? This is talked about throughout scriptures. Employers uh, uh, are challenged to um, act fairly and to care for those that, that they employ, uh, patterning their, their behavior after God and the way God himself uh, has structured, and we are under his authority. Employees are required to serve well, to do their work wholeheartedly, not just as unto their boss, but as unto God, all right? Now, the last sphere of authority that we have is the church, okay? This is the sphere of authority that God has set up. So we have the family, we have um, uh, government, we have business, and then we have the church. And then the, so the structure of authority here would be the pastor and the members. And obviously within that, you understand there's a lot more like deacons and, and you know, assistant pastors and and teachers, and, and there's a whole structure of authority within that, as you understand. Within the church, leadership of the pastor and elders and teachers, that is essential for the health of the body, okay? The spiritual leadership of pastor is absolutely, you can't have a church without having a pastor, okay? They are the, the ones that feed the flock spiritually. You have to have the pastor to lead the flock. They are the spiritual ones that, that feed the body of Christ. It's essential to have them. Believers are to honor, respect elders, and to submit one another to walk in humility. All right, so a pastor is not to infringe upon the authority of the home, right? Um, uh, and so, uh, as I was talking with my dad, he brought up a good point. A pastor does not infringe upon the authority of the home unless asked by the parents. Are there times where parents say, hey, we need you to come into our sphere of authority and we need some assistance at this time. Yes, parents do that all the time. And so then pastor by invitation only comes in and helps out with maybe a scenario or a situation that's going on. He still doesn't make the decisions, but he is there as a counselor and a guide uh, for that family um, at that time. You know, I also thought about this, like as you look at the sphere of um, responsibilities for different people if let's say you have a family and you have a teenager and you have a young man and a young lady and they're both at your house and you know a young young man his girlfriend came over and they acted immorally in your house you are responsible for that right that's you're responsible and the other parent is responsible you guys need to deal with that that's not pastors that's not underneath pastor's sphere of responsibility um, now, obviously, pastor could be called in, help us with this situation. But ultimately, if that happened at your house, that's a deal between you and the other person's parents. Now, if those two teenagers were here at the church and did that, then you are now inside pastor's sphere of authority, right? Now, pastor has to get involved. Um, if it was done on a youth activity, right? That is a church-ordained 
ministry in a church-ordained thing where we have come together as the body of Christ to participate in a specific function. All Anytime we gather together at a church-ordained function, that falls underneath pastor's sphere of authority. Does that make sense? I thought that was really helpful as I was looking through that because as she asked me, I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of like I kind of knew it and understood it, but like I had never like heard it clearly communicated. So that's kind of how the sphere of structure works. And listen, we all have to have that in our lives. All right. We, and each one, each one is important and each one plays a role in our life. Like I said, I wouldn't say any one is more significant than the other. I would say they're just all different in their own ways. Um, we got to have a job, right? We have to be part of the body of Christ if we're a Christian. Bible clearly tells us that we've got to be a part of a local church. We have to submit to government, all right? Or else you're, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely not going to go well. Um, and you have to have a healthy family structure. So understand each one, important, just all different. Okay, wow, this time goes by so fast. Okay, here we go, here we go. Let's um, uh, touch on one more area, if we can even get through it where we can extrapolate the principle of church membership from this passage, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. It says, But now I have written unto you uh, not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother and be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner or such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. All right, so, so now that we know about the, what the Bible has to say about authority and submission, here's another biblical principle that I feel really ties into communicating the fact that there's church membership, and this is the, the doctrine and the teaching biblically of church discipline. All right. Church discipline is not a fun topic to talk about. Um, it's awkward. It's difficult. It's, it's painful. It's, it's really just a hard teaching to practice. And churches that don't have church membership, there are churches that just don't do church membership. Um, that's probably a nice little perk of not doing church membership is you never have to deal with church discipline because you technically don't have any members. Um, but church membership is a very difficult thing. What is church membership? On occasion, a Christian will wander away from fellowship with other believers and find themselves ensnared in, whether in ignorance, but usually willingly, in willful disobedience, in willful sin against God. It then becomes necessary for the church, particularly its pastor and its leaders, to actively seek repentance and restoration of that Christian. So the Christian is involved in some, some gross, blatant sin, all right? They're, they're not repented of it. In fact, they're the opposite of repentant. They just, they don't care. They throw it in your face. And we've sought the repentance. We've sought the repentance. They refuse to repent. And then it then becomes necessary to exercise church, church discipline. As in the parable of Luke 15, verses 3 through 8, when somebody repents and when somebody comes back to Christ into restoration, it is a time of great joy. And it is a time of great celebration. And, uh, you know, Jesus talks about that. You know, he, th he thinks about, I was actually just... 
listening to a pastor teach on church membership and, and teach about you know church discipline. And he said, really what you're doing, it's like you're leaving that 90 and 9 and, and you're going after that one, seeking their repentance, seeking that uh, person to come back to the fold, come back to Christ, rejoin the body of Christ, be once again what God has you to be. And you know, it's a lot of time. You know, he leaves that 90 and 9 to go after that one. And maybe even you as parents can think about that time where you've had to kind of leave many of your children to just go after that one that was astray. And then you can relate kind of with what a pastor has to go through and, and that one that he's just, he just bring them back. So it is one of the means by which a church seeks to lovingly restore a wandering believer is through the process of church discipline. Uh, uh, the, the, the purpose of church discipline, uh, the purpose of church discipline is the spiritual restoration of a fallen member of the body of Christ. And once they are returned to the fellowship, that is such a strengthening of the body of Christ. Uh, when a sinning believer is rebuked and he turns from his sin and is forgiven, he is won back to fellowship in the body and won back to Jesus Christ. The goal of spiritual discipline is the, the goal of spiritual discipline is not to embarrass people. It's not to throw people under the bus. It's, it's not an opportunity for the leaders of the church to exercise dominance over a member of the flock by showing them I'm in charge and I'm the boss and I can tell you to get out of here if I want to, okay? Those are all things that people that have been recipients of church membership or maybe even related to those might think in their minds, you know, as you would have to receive such harsh um, response for your sin, but that's not what it's for. Um, the purpose is always the restoration of a sinning believer to holiness and to bring them back into a pure relationship within the church. That is the purpose of church discipline. Um, we don't have time. I, I wish we did because 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about it and really lays out a lot of that. And I, I really wish we had time. We just don't. But um, in light of this teaching of church discipline, and, and, and listen, it's a biblical thing what God calls us to do. We don't do it often, very rarely actually. Actually, usually what happens if a church, if, if somebody is in that open and, and rebellious sin, usually what happens is they just leave the church and they're just like, I take away my membership. And then it's kind of, it's almost like, okay, well, we're no longer responsible for revoking your membership if you just took it away. That's usually what happens. So very rarely have we had to exercise this. But, but here's the question when it comes to church membership. If a church before God is required, every church is required to exercise church discipline. Um, that's part of being a body of Christ. Here's the question. Who does a church exercise church discipline over? If we do not believe in membership, who, does, who is that? Um, is it Fred who came to visit grandma, who everybody knows is a very wicked sinner? This is like, well, no. Um, if that was the case, that it was just every person that walked through the door was now subject to church discipline, we could never invite our unsaved friends to church, right? Because many people are living in blatant, wicked sin, especially unbelievers. So who, who, does, who falls underneath that? Well, we believe biblically that falls on church members, people that have come together, have covenanted together, 
to fall underneath a certain parameter, certain principles, and, and then if they were to stray from that, that is who is then underneath church discipline. Man, I, I'm sorry. We got, there's so many more passages. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. Um, there's, uh, at this time, there's numerical record that is being kept um, for those that profess Christ and those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, this is the church tracking and acknowledging the fact that there is a number here collecting that data. Um, in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we see kind of elections that are taking place within the church to, to raise up some leaders that can take care of the thing so that the apostles could continue to study God's word. Um, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 16, it talks about um, um, the widows and taking care of widows in the church and who falls underneath that criteria. You could extrapolate some, some church membership principles from that. Uh, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If ye love one another, well, how are they supposed to know if there is disciples? Where do they see that? It doesn't say if you love the world. It says how you love one another. Well, where do unsaved people see a group of believers all showing love to one another? Within the context of a local church. There's, no, there's nowhere else, right? So they see a group of believers gathered together showing that love, all right? And then, so I believe once you begin to look at text after text after text, church membership is not explicitly said you must be a church member. And even though they may not have had official church membership, you have officially joined our church, they did have, I believe, some way that they covenanted together with a local body at that time to say, we agree with what is happening here and we choose to fall underneath the authority of the pastor here. And pretty much, guys, we call ourselves a New Testament church. We've used that term. And what we're saying is we try to pattern the way we do church after the way God laid it out in the New Testament. All right. So that is why we believe church um, membership is biblical. All right. Lastly, let me just say this. Why do we require church membership here at Fellowship Baptist Church in order to serve in the church? All right, that is one of the requirements we have here. I'm not sure if all you knew that. In order to serve in the ministries, you must be a member here at the church. All right, um, number one, because you are entering into a covenant agreement that you acknowledge and agree with the foundational doctrines that the church holds to. That is absolutely essential if you're going to join a church. You must agree with where the church stands doctrinally. And if you don't, you either need to submit and say, I recognize that I don't know everything and maybe they have a better knowledge than I do and I just submit to their doctrine. Or if you have to hold to that really strongly, you need to go to a church where you do fall underneath the doctrinal standards of that church. All right? Different churches hold different doctrinal standards. But this, as independent Baptists, you know, we're not getting into that. Pastor actually taught an entire series on doctrine that took a couple years. So, <laughs> so if you want to listen to that, you got like you know, like 200 messages you can listen to. Uh, see what we believe. But no, we, we do have a more condensed version. Um, next, you are agreeing to submit to pastor's leadership. And listen, that's super important for church unity. That's super important. You got to submit to pastor's leadership um, here at the church. Remember, we talked about different spheres. That doesn't mean at home. Um, pastor can't tell you, you know, different things. But here at church, you submit to pastor's authority. That's his leadership. That's his vision. That's the direction that he feels his goal. That's the preaching that, that he does. All right. Next, you are agreeing to the mission that God has called. The, if, if here, you are agreeing to the mission that God has called our local church to do. Um, also, Church membership is one of the ways that we keep false doctrine from infecting the church because you understand before you come here our doctrinal position and you agree to it. However, 
Sometimes wackos do uh, slip through the cracks. So <laughs> we, we have had uh, some doozies in the past that uh, fortunately pastor gets to deal with. He gets to do all the fun stuff. Uh, so um, next, it helps us make a uh, uh, it helps us make the standard consistent with all our ministries. So there's consistency across our ministry because we're all agreeing to the same thing. And then church membership is really necessary for church unity. It really is. You gotta have church membership in order to develop that that church unity. And on a side note, this has nothing to do with why we do church membership, but even our insurance require. I didn't know this until I talked to my dad. But even our our insurance requires people that serve within the church to be members of the church. Just an interesting fact. Didn't know that. And believe me, that's not why we do it. But I think we can understand that this is uh, biblical. It's also legal. And it's also very practical to do church membership. God does not call all churches to the exact same thing. He doesn't. He doesn't call all churches to the exact same thing. You know, some churches run RU ministries, which is Reformers Unanimous. It's like an addictions ministry. And guess what? I thank God for the churches that do that and the service that they do. God calls some churches to run Bible colleges. And I thank God for the churches that God calls to run Bible colleges. God, God calls some churches to run huge bus ministries, 15, 16, 17 buses going out every week. And I thank God for the churches that, that do that. God calls some churches to run prison ministries. I thank God for the churches that do that. God calls some churches to run campgrounds. I thank God for the churches that do that. God calls some churches to have Christian schools. That wasn't always our church, but it is now. And I thank God that our church now has the opportunity to run a Christian school in our church. But God does not call all churches to the same thing. God has gifted you. Here's the big idea, the big principle we want to take away. God has gifted you specifically. And we've talked about it through the whole series. God has gifted you specifically to serve and to be involved in a local church to contribute to the mission that God has called that local church to. Obviously, we all have the same mission, which is evangelism and discipleship. Every church is involved in that, but it does fluctuate from church to church how that is applied, whether prison, RU ministries, so on and so forth. The last thing I'll say, there was a pastor, and I was listening to some teaching on this, and, and he was talking about it, and he talked about how he had a friend, and, and this friend was uh, a missionary, actually, and he was over in a different country, so he went over to this country to visit this friend, and, and he went to a, a local church there that his friend attended. And, and so as he was there worshiping at the local church, he noticed the friend of his came in right before the message started, and then his friend left as soon as the message was over. So as he was later that week fellowshipping with his friend, he said, hey, hey, why why don't you join the, the prayer and the singing and the, the fellowship afterwards? And why don't you really attend any of that stuff? And his friend said, I don't really get a whole lot out of any of that. And so he said, well, man, I'm, I'm telling you, like, have you ever thought about joining that local church and, and being a part of what they're doing there? And he said, man, I've, God's called me to do so much that if I linked arms with these people, they'll just slow me down. And the pastor said, that very well may be that they slow you down, but have you ever considered the fact that God might have you there to help speed everybody else up? And have you ever thought that maybe God's ministry is bigger than your little ministry that God has you, and God has a much bigger, broader plan, and that if we just function according to his design for it, that, you know, things would just 
be more biblical and just go better. And he said that his friend ultimately did end up joining that church and becoming a, a functioning member and, and God is blessing it to that day. But maybe you joining the local church, maybe God isn't asking you to do it necessarily. You, you know, maybe it will cause you to miss some more time that you would have free or, or this or that. Or, but maybe God's asking you to join because there's just a way that you can help link arms with everybody and move everybody forward that just isn't being fulfilled. And God just has just the special purpose for you to be a part of the church, to help equip that church for the mission that God has called it to. We all, I, I, I thoroughly believe through this teaching, understanding the scriptures, that we all need to be a member of a local church. And listen, if you can't get on mission with what God has called us to do here and submit in all the things we talked about, then become a member at a church where you can do that, all right? It's not, this is not a matter, I've said it before, I don't think everybody should be at Fellowship Baptist Church, and we obviously know they're not. Um, but I believe you do need to be, if you are a Christian and you're trying to follow God, you do need to be a member at a local body where you can contribute and be a part moving forward with that body. What command has God given us, mandate for reaching the world and all of that? What command has God given us that we can do more effectively by ourselves than we can with a group of believers? I can't think of one. God has a local body of believers, the church that you are to contribute to. We are put in the body and we exercise. And, and, and here's what's crazy is that as you serve and as you minister and as you exercise those spiritual muscles, God actually strengthens you, he builds you up, and he develops you into a more mature, blessed Christian. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.